mercy. I love the way you help me when I call. I love the truth. I love the power of your name. But you know I love your presence most of all. My soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. Close to you is where I want to be. You are my strength, you are my God, you are my King. And all I want is what you want from me. I love your grace, I love your mercy. You know I love your presence most of all I love your grace, I love your mercy I love the way you help me when I call I love the truth, I love the power of your name But you know I love your presence most of all My shadow of your wings Close to you is where I want to be You are my strength, you are my God, you are my King And all I want is what you want from me I love your grace, I love your mercy I love the way you help me when I call Truth, I love the power of your name, but you know I love your presence most of all. My soul takes refuge in the shadow of your wings. Close to you is where I want to be. You are my strength, you are my God, you are my King, and all I want is what you want for me I love your grace I love your mercy I love the way you help me when I call I love the truth I love the power of your name but you know I love your presence most of all but you know I love your presence most of all But you know I love your presence most of all But you know I love your presence most of all Amen How beautiful are you, Lord? It's your words, it's your love. Oh, how glorious are you, Lord? It's your power, 
it was your cross that saved me and rescued me just a moment there will set me free I give you glory glory I give you glory glory I give you glory glory oh Jesus I give you glory glory Jesus, oh how beautiful are you Lord, it's your words, it's your love, oh how glorious are you Lord, it's your power. Was your cross that saved me and rescued me? Just a moment there set me free. I give you glory, glory. I give you glory, glory. I give you glory, glory. Jesus, I give you glory, glory, I give you glory, glory, I give you glory, glory, Jesus, and with the crown of thorns, he became king forever, and with the crown of thorns, became a king forever and with the crown of thorns you became a king forever and with the crown of thorns you became a king forever and with the crown of thorns you became a king forever and with the crown of thorns you became a king forever that saved me and rescued me just a moment then will set me free i give you glory glory i give you glory glory i give you glory glory Jesus, I give you glory, glory, I give you glory, glory, I give you glory, glory, Jesus, I give you glory, glory, I give you glory, I give you glory. Jesus, I give you glory, I give you glory, I give you glory.
Oh, give him glory this morning. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, give him glory. We remember He has 
Jesus mighty overcome our defenders conquered Christ redeemed we remember he has won oh he's already won the war Jesus mighty overcome well let's sing that again Christ Redeemer, Christ Redeemer, we remember He has won the war. Jesus mighty overcomer, our defender has conquered. Christ Redeemer, we remember He has won the war.
has broken the curse He has never lost a battle And who are you, great mountain? You should not bow low Jesus defeated the darkness He has never lost a battle Listen to the sound of power on my lips And Jesus has broken the curse He has never lost a battle And who are you, great mountain? You should not follow He has never lost a battle He's still on his throne He's still on his throne He's still on his throne And he's still on his throne He's still on Sovereign, even when confusion has blinded my eyes. Lord, I don't deserve your kind affection. When my unbelief has kept me from your touch, I want my life to be a pure reflection. Your love And so I come Into your chambers And I dance at your feet Lord You are my Savior And I'm at your mercy All that has been In my life Up to now It belongs to you, for you are still holy. Holy, 
and I dance at your feet, Lord. You are my Savior, and I'm at your mercy. All that has been in my life up to now, it belongs to you. And so I come into your chambers, and I dance at your feet, Lord. You are my Savior, and I'm at your mercy. All that has been in my life up to now, Lord, it belongs to you. chambers and I dance at your feet Lord you are my Savior and I'm at your mercy all that has been in my life up to now it belongs to everything that I have Lord it belongs to I hold nothing back Oh, it belongs to you It belongs to you For you are still holy You're holy, Lord You are holy, Lord you are holy, Lord. I see the Lord. And his train fills the temple. See the Lord, he is high and lifted up. I see the Lord and his train. It fills the temple See the Lord He is high and lifted up And angels cry They cry holy, holy 
angels cry they cry holy holy is the lord see the lord in his eyes are flaming like fire See the Lord in his hair, he's white as snow. And the angel came and he touched the cold to my lips. And now my guilt is gone. And my sin has been forgiven And I cry Holy, holy is the Lord And I cry Holy, holy
guys are thankful for the word of the Lord this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that we don't have to hope that you're here, God. We thank you that you're here. And Lord, we worship you. We love you in this place. was a man named Leonard Ravenhill. He said, the church that isn't praying, it's playing. And that can that can be minimized down to the individual uh, members of the body of Christ to our lives. The, to, to the believer who isn't praying, they're playing. And he said, a church that doesn't have a prayer meeting, and you can liken it to something like an 18-wheeler without an engine in it. It's big, and it might be clean, it might be shiny, it might look good, but there's no power. So here at Life Church, we emphasize prayer. It is the core of our belief. It is the, the DNA of this church. So we've come to the 
the part in the service where we're going to pray together, but I just want to remind you guys that this is a, a corporate thing. We pray together. I have a couple of topics we're going to kind of focus on, but the power is in the unity. Jesus, he proved that throughout the scripture in, in many different places. And one of them was, was in John chapter 17. He was praying. He said, Father, I pray that they would be one. Talking about the body of Christ. I pray that they would be one just as you and I are one. And that's been ringing in my soul for a couple of months. So as we start to pray, I encourage you guys, man, this is the moment that you get to participate heavily because what happens in prayer determines the future of the church. We're history makers. Do you realize that? We make history, but it's the prayers of the church that accomplishes this. If we, if we aren't praying, if we aren't praying together, then we aren't doing anything. We're not. So this morning, we're going to pray for faith. That uh, We got a word a couple of weeks ago that we should start to uh, just desire the signs and the wonders and the miracles for God to pour them out in this church. So we're going to ask God for faith. You know, faith is the currency of heaven. It is. Jesus said, uh, you can't even you can't even please the Father unless you have faith. Like there, Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So we're going to pray that God will give us faith to believe for signs and wonders and miracles and prophecy and the things that should be following the believers to start to explode in life, church. After that, we're going to pray for families, for family units, for mothers and fathers and sons and daughters, cousins. You know, families get attacked. The, the enemy attacks the mind, but it's so he can divide the family. And if he can divide families, he can divide churches. And his end goal is to, to divide people. So we're going we're gonna to pray for the family units. And then we're going to pray for the missionaries uh, in our cities, the missionaries that are coming from our cities to our cities and going out to the world. We're going to pray that God would strengthen them and provide everything they need. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. There is no name that is higher than a name in which men should be saved for. God, we thank you that faith is being released in Life Church, God, that we can believe for signs and wonders and miracles to come upon this house, God, in a mighty way, God, that we can believe you, God, that cancer would be healed, God. We can believe you that HIV can be cured. We can believe you that blindness would leave the, the believer. We can, we can believe you that deaf ears would be open, God, that those who are spiritually dead would come to life. Lord, we're all guilty of having somebody in our life where we think about them and we're like, man, you're, they're hopeless. God, in, in unbelievable and fear and things like that invade our thought process but God we ask you for faith God to believe for those who are so far away from you God that they would get saved that they would come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit Lord we pray that you would heal our families God and we would see signs and wonders God that it's a sign and a wonder God the, the, the best miracle we could ever imagine is when somebody who is depraved and far away from God gets born again so God we pray for new birth in the house of God this morning. We pray for salvations, that people would be born again, God. That unbelief would leave your church, God, and we would see prophecy released in the house, God. We would see healings come forth, God. We would see people baptized in the Holy Spirit, filled with the Spirit of God, filled with the fire of God, Lord, with every gift flowing from them, God. Be people being baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues, God. That your gifts would function and flow inside the church in the order that you've called them to flow, God. 
Oh, we pray this morning, even today, God, we're not asking for something afar. We're asking you to do it right now, God. We ask you that people would receive healings in their bodies, God. We pray that signs would manifest in the house of God because, Jesus, you are the spirit of prophecy. And where you are, Lord, you move in a mighty way. We thank you that, God, we're not just sitting on a shelf not being used, God, that we're a church that's active, God. We're asking you to use this body in a mighty way. And, Lord, right now we pray for our missionaries, God. We pray for the people in our cities that are being sent to the nations. And we pray for the people in the nations that are being sent to our cities, God. The people that you have released as missionaries in the earth, God. We pray for supernatural provision, God. They need finances and they need prayer. God, they need resources, God. We pray that you would send resources to our missionaries, God. Lord, use Life Church as a resource. But, God, stir other churches to become the resources as well. God, let us take serious the call to prayer to pray for our missionaries, Lord. Lord, we lift them up right now, God. We bind the spirit of sickness and fear. We bind, bind the spirit of poverty that would try to strike the hearts of, their, of the believers, God. We pray right now that the missionaries would have everything that they need, God. Lord, that you would receive and release everything that they have that they need, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you're moving. God, our missionaries that are starting out young, God, the ones who have been in the mission field for years, God, we pray for a massive release of finances and spiritual uh, needs that they need, God, that it would be released to them in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we pray for our family members and our families right now inside the house of God. Lord, there are so many people that are that are struggling because their family members are lost and they're not serving you. There are so many marriages that are under stress. There are so many kids who are being tempted by the enemy, God. We pray right now that, God, you would bring such a massive uh, unity to family members, God. We pray that you would bring prodigals back. God, we pray that doubt and fear, God, we pray that division would be broken off of people's families, God. Lord, for for mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and children, God, we pray that you would release a unity inside the family unit. God, that you would cause families to start to be very strategic about the way they protect their homes, God. That the doors and the windows would be guarded and locked. The minds of the children, the ears of the children would be safeguarded by the parents, God. Lord, that we would put filters spiritually on everything that they participate in, God. Lord, we pray that the spirit that causes laziness to strike the home would be removed, God. We pray for a conviction to come to homes right now, that parents would understand what's at stake. Thank you that husbands and wives are coming into unity. Father, that people who have been unequally yoked, God, you're causing them to come together and be united in Christ. God, we thank you for save, for those who are saved and, and, and serving you, that their spouse that's not, God, we thank you that you're calling them forth in Jesus' name. That, God, you're restoring marriages, Lord. Thank you that children who have been in rebellion are being healed. They're being delivered. They're being called back to the Father. They're understanding, God, how much you love them, Lord. Lord, that they don't, they don't have to ride on the religion of their their parents' coattail, but God, they would understand how much you love them. So Father, we pray you would release hunger and unity inside families. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for everything you're doing inside the church. And Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Life Church. You guys want to take about 30 seconds to greet somebody in the name of the Lord, give them a hug, handshake, whatever you're comfortable with. 
Amen. You ought to see what I see. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good. It's Sunday. We're in the house of the Lord. And it's not illegal yet. Praise God. Right? Some people have to hide and, and sneak and travel uh, two or three days just to get to a meeting where people are celebrating Jesus. And guess what? It's even illegal in those places. So we don't want to take for granted what God is doing in Life Church and what he has done in America. Amen? All right, so if we have newcomers, we have a text feature app. It's The number is 337-317-4123. If you are a newcomer, please text the word welcome to that number. I think they're going to put it on the board here in a second. But text the word welcome, and we have a gift for you guys in the Welcome Center. When you walk into the foyer, there's some tables. That's a temporary setup, but we have a gift for you guys. Please come. Let us know that you're new. We want to bless you guys. We want to give you a gift, and we thank you, and we honor you for being part of Life Church today. Amen? Also, if you are a member of Life Church... If you are a member of Life Church, we've talked about this already, but I want to reemphasize it. If you're a member of Life Church, please text the word CONNECT to that number right there, the number you see on the screen. And Miss Lynn is going to send you a card to fill out. Please fill it out. It helps us keep people in the database. It helps keep uh, everybody in the church updated, giving you all the info about new stuff. Because I'm going to be honest with you, word of mouth is okay. But in today's generation, with all the stuff that's going on, all the distractions, word of mouth is not enough. And people just, we miss information because we, we haven't had a good way to communicate up until now. But this right here is really going to help us to keep everybody informed about upcoming events, about baptisms, about coffee, Sundays, and whatever else we have. So if you're uh, a member of Life Church, please check. Text CONNECT to 337-317-4123 and wait for the card to come back, and she will send you something that you need to fill out. Please fill that out and get it back to her as soon as you can. Amen? Also, we use the text app for prayer. If you have a prayer request, please text the word pray to that and you can give your prayer request. We have a team that is uh, ready and willing to pray for you guys. That We are not sending your stuff to people who are not going to pray. It's going to the intercessors. Uh, we have a group where those people get the memo and if you have a need that needs to be prayed for, I assure you, if you send it to that, that text thread, it will be prayed for. It is taken serious in Life Church. Amen? All right, Miss Caitlin, I'm going to call you up. She has an announcement for you guys. I'm actually going to tell you what I'm talking about this time, and I'm going to read this time. Okay, so women, we have an L.A. Sisterhood Women's Retreat, so it's going to be women from all over Louisiana that will be attending uh, from the AG churches. That That's who will be there. Um, it's Friday on March 17th through Saturday, March 18th. Um, it's going to be at the Twin Lakes Campground in Woodworth. Um, when you go to register, uh, we are going to go ahead and just stay at the campground. It'll be easier. So it'll be $85. That's going to include staying at the campground and uh, all your meals. Um, registration opened this past week on February 1st. It closes on March 3rd. So we need to go ahead and get that um, 
Done. Uh, there's a QR code at the Welcome Center that you can scan, and it's going to bring you straight to the website. So if you don't know um, where to go, then just go ahead and do that before you leave, and then it'll be saved in your you know, smartphone. And then I'll give you all more information. We'll probably have a meeting before, um, but I'm going to wait until everyone gets registered, okay? Thank you, Ms. Kaylin. Okay, by a show of hands, how many people love to pray? We're being honest, right? Okay, so every Sunday here in that little room right side of that foyer, 9.30 to 10.30, we have a prayer meeting for this church. We also have prayer meetings on Wednesday nights. We also have them every other Tuesday. I uh, told you guys we believe in prayer, but if you have a burden to pray and you want to get plugged into that, all you got to do is show up. We welcome all intercessors. Uh, we don't just welcome it. We need it. We need people who are praying. So if you guys want to come and you have extra time to give to prayer, please come help us partner uh, with Life Church in prayer. That way we can see God's purposes and his plans for this church. Come to fruition. Amen? Amen? Also, March the 18th. Say that with me. March 18th. All right. We're going to be launching another session of the Light and Life Evangelism School. It's going to be every Saturday for six weeks. It starts at 10 a.m. and it goes for about an hour and a half, but we do outreaches in the middle of them. Uh, we're basically wanting to equip the body to, to, to do more evangelism, to start to go after the lost, to be comfortable with going out of their way or getting uncomfortable just to see somebody know Jesus. You know, sometimes it's a simple Jesus loves you. Sometimes it's a note that you leave somewhere. Uh, whatever the case may be, we want to equip the church to get more familiar with evangelism so that we can do what Jesus has called us to do in the earth. Amen? All right. Today, after service, y'all ready? How many people partake in life groups last semester? Amen? Life groups were absolutely phenomenal. We had growth. People got to know each other on another level. We had some leaders who got to share the gifts that God has put inside them with the rest of the body of Christ. We got to know people we really haven't been super familiar with just because we go through the routine of doing church on Sundays and Wednesdays. Life groups is an opportunity that we have as a church to get more connected with the body of Christ. Remember, I, I, I told y'all that scripture in John earlier about, he said, I pray that you guys would be one. Well, this is part of that. So today, right after service, we're going to have a meeting. If you have any interest in the upcoming life groups that are going to be launched this session, please come to the meeting in the, in the little room, the prayer, intercessory prayer room, right after service. We've got all the information you need. Uh, we just want to make sure you guys have uh, all the information that you need to understand what's going on for, with life groups, when they're going to launch, and if you want to be a part of that. Amen? Okay. This Friday and Saturday, we're going to have a father and son camping trip. I don't know too, too much information about that. I know all the information is upstairs. So if you have kids up there and you need the information, you can get with Pastor Tracy and she can fill you in on that. And last thing, March 10th and 11th, we're going to have a marriage conference here at Life Church. Yeah? How many married people we have in here? Come on. I can't wait. You know, I have a good marriage, but I can't wait. I've been to a marriage conference before, and there some people are just so gifted. God enriches their life with all these giftings and these, these revelations about marriage, and they really learn how to sow into each other. And I can't wait till this thing happens because I want to be a better husband to my wife. And all you men, if you want to be a better husband, if you have time, I would encourage you guys to be there. Amen? All right. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 8 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here at Life Church, we are absolutely a church that believes in giving. This is a biblical principle. If you're unfamiliar with giving, I promise you it's in the Bible from, from Genesis to Revelation. You're going to find that God is a God who requires his people to be able to be free of money, to give more than they receive. This is just something he wants us to know, to be familiar with. So if you got guys uh, want to be part partners with giving at Life Church. We have four ways to do it. You can text to give in Life Church. You can give on the website. We have the boxes in the back, and we also have the Life Church app. So any one of those four ways is an easy way for you guys to give. Whatever's most convenient for you, take that route and be blessed for it. Amen? All right. Pastor Bob? Oh, I'm sorry. We got a Life Group video. Roll that beautiful bean footage, huh? Your love is like radiant diamonds bursting inside us. We cannot contain your love, will surely come find us like blazing wildfire. Singing your name, God of mercy, see you love mine. I have surrendered to your design. May this offering stretch.
So that meeting's right after service this morning. Okay? Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew a couple passages that we've read several times over the last few weeks when we were praying and fasting. And um, so I'm going to be in Matthew 6 if you want to turn to your, in your Bibles. If not, we'll have it up on the screen. And, uh, but I want to be obedient to the Lord. First, I appreciated the word that came forth this morning. And it was a confirmation to me about this message this morning. But uh, I need to speak a word that the Lord spoke to my heart this morning. Brooklyn. Come stand right there, please. I'm not here to embarrass you or shame. Why don't your parents come stand behind you? I don't usually do this. I have to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. When I walked in, you were standing in the aisle, and you were just worshiping the Lord. And I closed my eyes, and I saw the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, you probably have never seen the Brooklyn Bridge. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, that's, that's her, and that's what I'm doing in her. The Brooklyn Bridge, I'm familiar with it. I've been to New York. I've, I was raised in the Northeast much of my childhood, even though I was military and moved all over the country. But the Brooklyn Bridge took 14 years to build, and at the time, it was the biggest, longest span type bridge of its kind in history. There were also tragedies in that there were a number of people who died in the building of that bridge. But the Lord showed me that bridge and when I saw you worshiping. And he says, I'm doing a work in you and I'm going to use you to build bridges. I'm going to use you to build bridges that will connect people and bring restoration in people's lives. It will take time. It has been taking time. He's still using the time that has been in your life, and he's going to continue to do so. And just as there were tragedies in the building of that bridge, there have been difficulties and tragedies in your own life. And God said, but I'll take those tragedies, and I will turn them into something great and glorious. Because when the day came for that bridge to be, to be dedicated, there were over 100,000 people there, including presidents, and mayors and governors and everything else. And God said, if you'll stay faithful and, st and stay the course, the enemy will try and stop you. But if you'll be faithful and stay the course, it will come to pass in ways you cannot imagine. And God will get the glory for it. God will get the glory for it. Would you all lay hands on her? Would you stretch your hands towards her right now? Father, I thank you for your word. Your word springs to life. And I pray right now that it would blossom within her. The seed that's already been sown would now begin to sprout and bring forth a life that she has not yet known or understood. And God, that she cannot begin to fathom the things that you have planned for her, for you have said that I know the things that I have planned for you. 
God, we pray that this word would come forth in and through her life, that the tragedies would become triumphs and the difficulties would become stepping stones in reaching others for the cause of Jesus Christ and the glory of his kingdom. Even as that bridge, when it was built, it was the greatest structure of its time. And tens of thousands of people still, every day, over 100,000 people, cars, pass over that bridge. Father, the bridges you will use to build through her life will bring you eternal glory. And we thank you and ask this, be it so in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. I didn't want to wait to the end because I'm like liable to forget and I'm I, I just feeling the unction of the Holy Spirit at that moment. You say, why does God do that? I don't know why he does that. I know what he's done in my life over time and there have been moments when he spoke into my life through somebody and those are God moments and I still remember them very well. You stay there, baby, as long as you want. You can go back to your chair. It doesn't matter. We're, we're going to look into the Word of God this morning. Some of you, may, maybe that's new to you. Well, the, the, the Holy Spirit still speaks. We've seen that this morning already in tongues and interpretation. He gives words of knowledge. He, he gives words to encourage, to exhort, to build up. Hallelujah. I'm looking at Matthew chapter 6, beginning with verse 5 and 6. You know, we just finished a, a two-week period of, of praying and fasting um, at the beginning of this month. And we read this scripture several times, and I went back to this again. And, and, um, and I may go back to it again next week. And then in, two, in about two weeks, I'm going to be sharing with you some things concerning what I believe God is saying for Life Church in, in, this, in 2023. But in Matthew 6, it says, And when you pray, do not pray like the hypocrites. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray... Go into your room, close the door and pray and pray to your father who is unseen and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. And now verse 16 through 18 and it says, And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, he said, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. My message this morning is simply called pride, the enemy of answered prayer. 
I, I've really never taught on this before in all the years, not in this manner, but I've, I was drawn to this and, and um, been making a study of it for personal, personally for the last uh, couple of weeks for my own personal use. Um, I came across this cartoon, and I thought you might like this. It's a certificate of humility. He has posted it on his wall so that everybody can see it. It's kind of an oxymoron in and of itself, isn't it? Let's put it to where everybody can see. I'm, I'm humble. And you might be thinking, well, Pastor Bob, why are you um, uh, reading scriptures about fasting uh, we just finished two weeks. Are you, are you trying to punish us or something? And my answer is no, I'm not trying to make your life hard. In fact, but last week I mentioned the fact that just because we finished a two-week corporate fast does not mean that you, you, don't, you don't fast again until next year. That this should be an, a, a regular part or discipline of, of the Christian life. Uh, there are, are numbers of ways to um, uh, uh, deal with what God wants to do in our lives. There, the word that came this morning right near the end of that second message was there was talking about walking in humility. That if you want to see the power of God and the holiness of God and the glory of God, talk about um, walking in humility. And, and there's a number of things about fasting, but I'm just telling you that fasting is a God-appointed way to humble ourselves, okay? Um, and, and I'm just going to point out a couple things to you along this line. The, the greatest single barrier, now, if, I'm, if you don't agree, that's fine, but I'm, I'm, I have come to the conclusion that the greatest single barrier to getting answer to prayer is pride. <clears throat> now I'm talking about someone who knows God, has a relationship with God. If you, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, he is the son of God. He came to deliver each and every one of us of our sins because our sins separate us from God. And if we're separated from God, then we're, we, we stand condemned to an eternal damnation. And Jesus came to save us because God desires that none should perish. And you just simply need to surrender to Christ. You need to repent of your sin. You need to say, God, forgive me of my sin. I am a sinner. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. And look, I, I, it's not the words. It's the attitude of your heart and your soul. You're, you're giving him control of your life. But... Even as Christians, and, and, and this is where I'm coming from, pride is, I think, I believe, the greatest barrier to getting answered prayer. We would, a lot of people would say, oh, it's the devil and his demons and the powers of darkness. And some would say it's unbelief, it's doubt, it's all these things. But I'm convinced that pride is the greatest barrier because anything that will get a barrier out of the way and that will facilitate our prayers is, is a tool that we need. How many of you want your prayers to be powerful and your prayers to be answered. 
Come on now. The church is anemic in, in seeing prayers being answered. But when we get serious with God, I'm telling you, man, there were so many things that happened during that two-week period of time that we were fasting and praying together. It's incredible, the testimonies that are still coming forth from that. And, and, uh, but I'm just telling you that pride is the greatest enemy to answered prayer. C.S. Lewis he did a lot of writing about this, but I'm just put a, a, a paragraph on the board for you to see. And he says, according to Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. He said, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, all of those are mere flea bites in comparison. He said, it was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. So when you stop and think about it, pride was not first demonstrated on earth. You know when the first demonstration took place? When did pride first show its face, as I can put it that way? It, 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 it showed its place in heaven. It showed its place through a created being that, that had such high rank and, and rule in the place of heaven. And, and it, it was the first sin, and therefore it is universal. It is everywhere. And, and, and if pride can break out in heaven and cause an angel to lose his place of ranking and ruling, in the presence of God, how much more susceptible are we here on earth who are sinners by nature? I'm going to give you just a few passages of scripture this morning that deal with pride and humility. And I may say a few things you don't agree with. That's fine. Think about it. Pray about it. Um, we'll talk about it if you want. That's fine too. But we're, we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 14, and, and let me just, just summarize for the sake of time, because I see what time it is. Uh, it's a, this part we're going to look at is at the end of a parable. It's a parable about people who are invited to a banquet, okay? But let me make a statement first, and, and because we need to understand this, and that is that God never says he'll humble us. The Bible says that we are to humble ourselves. Now listen, God can humiliate you. But only you can humble yourself. The Bible says humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. So I'm going to make a statement. You may not agree with it, but don't pray, God, make me humble. Just as I learned as a young Christian, don't pray for patience. Patience is not a gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says patience comes through tribulation. You pray for patience, here comes trouble. And sometimes with a capital T and an exclamation point. I'm just telling you. 
I remember the first time I was a young believer. I, wa I prayed. I was at the altar and I said, oh, God, give me patience. I'm the oldest of seven children. Nine and a half years separate us. I had to be the example for all of them. I didn't request that job. I didn't ask for that. And I was always being told, don't behave that way. You set the example for your, your brothers and sisters. Some of them are listening right now by way of the internet. And I remember one time I was like, whoa, I just would lose it and I'd want to just smack them and a lot of times I did. And so one time I, I was just convicted and I was praying, God, give me patience in my my pastor at that time, a businessman came in, they said, whoa, don't say that, take that back. And they said, no, I need patience. Don't say that. And I said, why? He said, because God can't answer that except to bring, to allow trouble and tribulations and problems to come your way because you have to learn patience by enduring. I said, I think I can handle it. Can I tell you the next nine months of my life were a nightmare. Problem after problem and issues after issues and don't pray for patience. Pray for wisdom. I'm serious. It's a much better thing to pray for. Because when Jesus said trouble comes your way, you don't have to pray for more. It just it's coming. Pray for wisdom, how to handle it. Okay. But get back to this thing about being humble. I don't think we should pray God make me humble because I really don't think it's a biblical prayer because God says we're to humble ourselves. But if you do pray God make me humble, then in a few months or weeks down the road, you may regret that prayer. Because all of a sudden, there's all kinds of things that are coming your way, and you're like, God, why did this happen? And you went, you prayed. You know? Jesus in Luke 14 is telling about a banquet, and, and he says that uh, people were invited to a banquet, and when he walks up to the head table um, to sit down at the chief place, there's somebody there that doesn't belong there. And, and he, the person comes and says, uh, you don't belong at this table, and go sit in that table way over there. Where, you know, way, way over in the corner. That's the last seat. Go away, sit over there. And, and he talks about how embarrassing that would be. And you know what? There's, I'm just going to say this. There's a lot of people, even in, in church today, they want to be seen. And they want to do things to be seen. Um, I used to work for a clothing store years ago when I was a teenager called the Name Dropper. Because it was like a high-scale men's store um, because that's where all the people of, uh, you know, prestige went and bought their clothes. So it was called the name dropper because the owners could say, oh, well, Senator so-and-so buys his clothes from my store and Governor so-and-so buys his clothes from my store. They, they drop names. And I know people like that in church. And, and they drop names. Oh, I'm, I, do you know so-and-so? I'm 
Oh, I'm personal friends with that person. I've, I've had them in my home, you know. Oh, yeah, polio. <laughs> Say, oh, me or oh, my, one of the two, I'm just telling you. And when I hear that, I just go, Ugh. and I just, I, I just go, Ugh, you know, and I kind of walk away from that. I, I don't want to be associated with that. Um, and, and so Jesus is telling them this story about the one who's sitting at the head table, and then they're, they're told, oh, move. And by then, you know, there's no room, so they've got to go sit back in the corner, you know. And, and one thing that I've learned of my life is that when you're at the bottom, there's only one way that you can go, and that's up. But when you try and put yourself at the top, and you are putting yourself at the top, then that's pride. And pride has a way of humbling us, coming along and humbling us. I don't know if you're familiar with the prayer by John Bunyan. It goes simply like this. He said, he that is down need fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. See, when you're on the floor, you're safe. Because there's no lower you can go. Very rarely, I'll be honest, rarely would I ever come to this pulpit, this platform, without having spent time on the floor on my face because I feel safe on the floor. I am reminded, God, I can't do this without you. I have seen those, and I have unfortunately had to sit with those who come in with their entourages, and they come in, and they're like, oh, aren't you blessed that I'm in the room today? Jesus said at the end of the parable, if you don't want to be embarrassed, don't sit at the head table. Don't take it upon yourself to be seen. Don't put yourself in that kind of place. Put yourself in the back. Put yourself in, in the back and leave things in God's hands. There's, there's only one way you can go when you're at the lowest place, and that's up. In Luke chapter 14, uh, in verse 11, it says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. You can look up those words and, and you can change them, interchange them a little bit. Those who exalt themselves will be humbled in that they will be humiliated. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. So I really want to focus on this idea of humility but we need to look at this thing about pride first and and that is because pride is universal and that means it operates and it applies in heaven and it applies on the earth obviously satan lucifer filled with pride the bible says you were perfect in all your ways until the day that iniquity was found in you um that is the greatest demonstration of 
pride versus humility, and that is Lucifer and Jesus. Now stop and think about it. Lucifer was a created being, and he reached for equality with God, and he slipped and fell. Jesus had equality with God, and yet he humbled himself to the death of the cross. And the scripture says that God has highly exalted him. So Lucifer reached to become like God and he fell. Jesus was, was God. He was equal with God. That's what the scripture says. He was God, but he humbled himself. He was made a little lower than the angels. The scripture says he became man. And because he humbled himself, God has highly exalted him. Philippians 2 and 9, it says, Therefore God exalted him, speaking of Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. Why did God exalt Jesus? Because he humbled himself. And everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. The lower down you go, the higher up you'll end. There's no exceptions to that. It really isn't. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 to 28, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, whoever desires to be great, become great among you. Let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Do you understand that a servant and a slave do not have rights? They are there to do what the master tells them to do. That is their function. That is their purpose. Understand, he's saying have this mindset. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to serve. Learn to put others first. Learn that of, of others, other people's needs. And he, then he goes on and says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So pride is the hindrance to answer prayer. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, pride is a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the biggest of sins. It's the biggest. It really is. The second thing I want to tell you, and there's only two things this morning, so look, we're doing good. <laughs> Humility is an essential condition for effective prayer. I don't want to pray ineffective prayers. I have a term for them. I call them foo-foo prayers. I don't know when I started saying that. I think it was many years ago when I moved to Eunice. And my son-in-law, Justin, his mama was my secretary at the church. And she used to say, oh, that's just foo-foo stuff. And I remember the first time I heard her say that, I said, what's foo-foo stuff? And she, it meant just kind of like, Fluff, you know, just, you know, it's just foo-foo. Yeah, no substance to it, you know. It's just like, it's, in, it's inconsequential. It's just silly. It's whatever, you know. And, and I remember she used to say that all the time, and I'd always get tickled when she'd say that. It's a foo-foo. 
I've been saying it now for over 20-something years. And, and, and especially in this area, I said, I don't want to pray foo-foo prayers. I attended my sister-in-law's funeral yesterday in Alabama. And when we walked into the funeral home for family visitation time, I was told by a member of the family, you know you're on the program. No, I didn't know. What am I doing? Well, we want you to pray. And then they told me what they wanted me to pray. And I said, I don't pray foo-foo prayers. And they looked at me and said, oh. I said, show me the order of service. Because I wasn't doing the funeral. And, and I, I, they showed it to me. I said, okay. I didn't want to make a big scene. My name's on there. What was I going to do? Stand up and go, I don't pray foo-foo prayers. They wanted me to lead everybody in a, you know, recit, reciting or whatever. I said, I'm not doing that. I said, half these people in here don't know God to start with. I know. And I said, they need to know Jesus, but they didn't want me to preach. So I'm... I said, give me, so I walked to the front in the funeral home and I said, give me a long piece of paper. She said, give me a piece of paper and a pen. She said, like a sticky note? I said, no, like a pad. I said, I'm about to write out my prayer. It's going to be a sermonized prayer. And I let the people know that. I said, I just was asked to come up and pray. And I didn't say foo-foo, but I just said, but I've written out some things, and so I'm going to read what I've written, and I said, consider that my prayer, because it was loaded with scriptures, it was about salvation, it was about Jesus, and so I don't want to pray foo-foo prayers. How many of you want to pray foo-foo prayers? Look at your neighbor and go, do you? <laughs> do you want to pray foo foo prayers if you won't remember nothing else today except that I guarantee you you know you know I, I'm just not one for that you know I mean I want to pray effective prayers and effective doesn't mean long <laughs> they can be but it doesn't necessarily have to be I want them to be effective. I want them to be powerful. I want to be impactful. I want them to be life-changing, okay? And humility is an essential condition of effective prayer. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, humble yourselves, say yourselves. And look at your neighbor and go, that means you got to do it. <laughs> You have to do it, okay? Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and who? He will lift you up. You know? Lord, I pray today everybody sees what a good witness I am for you. Oh God! There's your Pharisee coming out in you. There's Beat your chest so everybody can hear. You know what? How about you just pray, Lord, I lay my life before you. 
I humble myself before you, God. God, in everything I say and do, let them see Jesus. Don't let them see me. Let them see Jesus. I mean, he says, humble yourselves. Don't ask God to do it. You do it. Here's the, it's, it's the simplicity of it is that God will do the lifting up if you will do the humbling. He said, it's a fact. He says he will do that. Humble yourselves and God will lift you up. So we need to learn how to humble ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore, whenever you read therefore, you have to ask what it's there for. See, Peter has made an argument about something. And so now he says, therefore, in light of what I've just told you, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and that he may exalt you in due time. Due time. Say due time. Due time is God's time. Not your time. Okay? And you say, well, what's the therefore, therefore? What is it? Why is it there for? Because of what he previously said. What did he previously say? In the verse before it says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves and then God will lift you up. If God resists the proud and God gives grace to the humble, therefore, humble yourselves. That's a two... Two-verse sermon right there. I mean, it's just that simple. And if you're coming to God with pride in your prayer, God is resisting you. And guess who can push harder? It's like having a tug-of-war, you against ten other people. Son, you're going to lose. And, and the Bible says you cannot get close to God with pride. The, the psalmist in 138 verse 6 says this, Though the Lord is great, he cares for the humble, and he keeps his distance from the proud. He keeps his distance. I don't want God to keep his distance. I'm trying to draw near to him. The Lord knows the proud from afar off. And that's where he keeps them. Hear me, church. There is no access to God with pride in our lives. Humility breaks down the wall of pride. It... it, it and, and you say, well, what's the fasting got to do with it? Because anything that enables us to humble ourselves is a blessing, even though it might not be enjoyable at the time. Okay? I mean, one of the biblical ways of humbling ourselves in the Bible is fasting. And fasting is a way to break down that wall, to break down that barrier for our prayers to be answered. I could spend hours talking about this, but I don't want to. Let's just look at this, Psalms 135 and 13. I humbled my soul with fasting. 
Now, some of the modern translations say, I humbled myself. But in the Hebrew, it says, I humbled my soul. And you say, well, that's just semantics. No, there's, there's a difference there. It's important to understand because your soul, our soul, is the arrogant part of you, of us, okay? I'm going to put me in there too. My soul, our soul, is the arrogant part of us. It's the self-assertive part of us. It's the egotistical part of us. Our soul is. The soul, by biblical definition, the soul has three main functions. It's the will, it's the intellect, and it's the emotions. Okay? It's the will, the place where we make choices and decisions. It's the intellect, where we reason things. And it's the place that we, we, our emotions are at. Some of you are more emotional than others, but we all have emotions. And the soul expresses itself in three ways. The soul says, I want, that's the will. I think, that's the intellect. I feel, that's the emotions. I don't want to do that. Now you're operating in the soulless realm. I feel like they don't like me, so I don't like them. Now you're operating in the, the emotional realm. And God says it isn't important what you think is important. It is that God doesn't, what you think isn't important or is important or what you feel isn't important, what is important is the will of God. Jesus said, and when his disciples said, teach us how to pray, he said, pray this way. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth, in earth, this house of earth right here, as it is in heaven. That's what he's saying. And if you're going to align yourself with God and his will, then you've got to deal with your soul. That's why I love the psalmist. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Go, go read that sometime in, in the psalm. And because it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. You know, and, and the soul goes, I don't feel like blessing the Lord today. Some of you didn't want to come today. You got drug here, right? Somebody said, come on, you know, we got to go. All right, I'll go. But afterwards, can we go somewhere else? Can we do something else? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And then he goes on to give reasons. Who crowneth thy life with loving kindness? Who redeemeth thyself? Oh, I mean, he just, there's an argument going on. The soul, oh. Paul says, the thing I don't want to do is the thing I end up doing, and the thing I want to do is the thing that I don't do. What, what a wicked man am I? That's the soul. That's the soul part of us. And, and, and if we're going to align ourselves with God, we need to learn to humble ourselves. And one of the simplest ways is through fasting. 
Okay? I know you don't want to hear this. That's all right. I knew I wouldn't get a lot of shouts. But it's one of the simplest ways to humble ourselves before God. I read a story of a man, and uh, in fact, it was, I, it was uh, I read it on a, a, um, a by an author who was Jewish, not a Christian. He was, he was a rabbi, actually. And, but he told the story of a businessman, and he had heard teachings on the Jewish perspective of fasting. In fact, in the scripture, in the Old Testament, there are several places where God demands a fast. And he ties it to humbling themselves before God. So he, de- he says, if you want to humble yourselves, this, on these days I demand a fast. Okay, God doesn't demand us to fast, but he does say, humble yourselves. So if there's a consistency in it that God said in the Old Testament, the way to humble yourself was the fast, then over the New Testament probably applies too. So anyway, this man, this businessman heard teaching on fasting and humbling himself before God. And so he said that he was going, he said, self, tomorrow I'm going to fast. Okay? And he said that it was the most miserable day of his life. Every time he walked anywhere near a restaurant, he could smell the food. Every time he walked down the street, he had to pass several famous bakeries. And he would stop and look in the windows. Well, I was thinking, stupid man. (laughs) Put blinders on, you know, like walk away like this. But he said he, he would stop and look in the window. He said even the local hot dog vendor on the street He said that smell came wafting up into his nostrils and he was like, I want a hot dog with everything on it. Come on now. He said it was a miserable day. And so that night, he said he gave his stomach a lecture. I never heard anything like this. He spoke to his stomach. You're thinking... That's stupid. How many times, how many of you know you got to talk to yourself sometimes? Now, when you start arguing with yourself, that's another problem. (laughs) I can give you the name of a counselor or two. But sometimes you have to talk to yourself. And And this is what he said. He said, stomach, you've made a lot of trouble for me today. And you've caused me a lot of unnecessary discomfort. And so... Because of all of that, I'm going to punish you because tomorrow I'm going to make you fast again. (laughs) He was humbling himself to bring his body into subjection to the spirit man within him. Listen, I don't know who said this. I just remember this from years ago. The stomach is a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. (laughs) And when you read that, you have to ask, who is the master in your life? Is it your stomach? And listen, people in the ministry are not exempted 
from that question. I have fought many, many battles with my stomach. I have lost some. I've won more than I've lost, but I've lost some. And I can just tell you that when you win, the victory is sweet. The victory is not always immediate. The answer is not always immediate. It's not always dramatic. But in one way or another, you come under the blessing of God. I remember years ago, many years ago, right after the Brownsville Revival broke out in the mid-90s, I heard David Hogan. And um, some of you know and have heard of David Hogan. He's from North Louisiana and and um, he, he, we showed a video series here many years ago that was made available. He taught at the school, school of ministry right after it broke out. And it was called Faith to Raise the Dead. And I remember the first time I heard him speak and he said, I, I fast six months a year. And I remember thinking, how do you do that? Six months a year? He said, it's easy. Every other day. I went, that makes sense. If you, if, you, if you only eat every other day, then at the end of the year, you fasted six months. But then I thought, that's a hard way to fast. Because I know that in a long fast, you, let's just say a week, after about a day and a half or so, the hunger pains go away. And I've been on 14-day fast and longer, and hunger pains, don't they're gone. If I eat today, fast tomorrow, then eat the next day and fast the next day, I'm battling hunger pains every single day. And I remember thinking, that's a stupid way to do it. And then years later, I realized I'm stupid. Because which one takes more control? Which one takes more discipline? The every other day, because I'm fighting hunger pains every other day. If I'm not hungry, that's no big deal, right? I know it sounds crazy, but listen. When we, when we fast, and we, then we begin to pray with, with a humility, we bring ourselves under the blessing of God. But if we become arrogant, God withdraws his blessing. And can I tell you something? I'm going to make this statement. I'm going to just throw it out there just for, this is a little on yop. If you don't pray, you're proud, you're, pride, you're full of pride. You're arrogant. And you say, well, how can you say that? Because the fact that you're not praying means you think you can get, up, get, get by without God. And that's pride. Oh, I messed up. I see it. I needed to go on and quit. <laughs> because if, 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 if we get arrogant, God withdraws his blessing. And then what happens? In some way or another, we become very prideful. Second Corinthians 13 and 5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. 
This is really interesting because he's writing to believers. Because he says, do, do you not realize that Christ is in you? He's not talking to heathens. He's not talking to people who don't know God. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you be in the faith. In the New Living Translation, it says this, examine yourselves to see whether your faith is genuine. In other words, is it real? Or is it phony? Is it a facade? Is it something you put on Sundays? And then when you walk out the door, you take it off. The Apostle Paul speaking to believers in Corinth, and it's found throughout the Old Testament too. In Lamentations 3 and 4, it says, let us examine and test our ways and turn back to the Lord. What, what is this implying? He said, we need to examine and test our ways, and more than likely, we're going to find things in our lives that we've gotten away from God, and we need to return to the Lord. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. we read this whenever we have communion so many times. It says, each one of us must examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. He, he tells us, he says, many among you are sick and some have even died because they've taken the cup unworthily. What is he talking about? You're taking it with arrogance and pride and, and going through it like it's just some routine or whatever. It doesn't really matter. We, the, the gravity of it, Jesus said, when you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. You just don't just take the bread and and take the cup and go, okay, now we got that out of the way. Let's go on with something else. Let me close. The psalmist says, in Psalms 26, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. I looked up those two words in the Hebrew because I wanted to see how it was written. And the word heart means the seat of our emotion or affection. Examine my heart. It's, it's the place where my affections are. Jesus said, for it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. You can tell where a person's heart is about five to ten minutes into listening to them talk. because it's, it's what consumes them. So I, I looked up the word mind, and the Hebrew word there means intellect, seat of emotions and passions. So it's the things that we dwell on, and the things that you dwell on end up taking place, taking a throne in your heart, a seat in your heart. And then it, it becomes a part of you. It absorbs you, and and the scripture, I, I love the way the New Living Translation said it this way. Put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. We're talking about prayer. We don't want to pray from afar off. We don't want to pray foo-foo prayers. We want intimate, powerful prayers. The effectual prayers of a righteous one are powerful. 
We want those kinds of prayers. Am I right? He says, test my motives and my hearts. If we are going to have powerful prayers that are answered, we must learn to humble ourselves in the sight of God. You want your way, you're letting your will and your soul talk. If you want to see God's way in your life, through your life, around your life, then you need to begin to learn to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And fasting is a key to spiritual breakthroughs in the spiritual realm. The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I believe God wants in this year for us to see major spiritual breakthroughs. They will come by powerful prayers. If God keeps the proud afar off, then those prayers will never be answered. So we need to humble ourselves in the sight of God. You, only you can break down the walls of pride in your life. Only I can break down the walls of pride in my life. Only I can humble myself. I, only you can humble yourself. We cannot do it for one another. But I would say to you, let us do it for one another. That the church might be strong. That they would say, those are the people who know their God and do great exploits that those are the people that when they pray God moves heaven and earth we are entering into a time when there are people who are looking for someone who can grab hold of the horns of the altar of God the ones that will deny God and rebel and everything else but when trouble comes they know who to call because they know you know how to pray I'm saying could we dare to believe that we can take these prayers of ours to a whole new level by humbling ourselves let God examine our hearts on a daily basis let us fast before the Lord. Let us fast and say, God, cross-examine my heart. Look inside. See if there be any wicked way, anything that doesn't belong. Here's what I've learned about God in my life, and I'll close with this. And that is that He deals with us where we are at that moment. But because maybe he's dealt with something here, 
and not something else that's always been there doesn't mean that he approves of that he just sees as this is a priority first and once we get that taken care of he may go back to that we go oh but god i've had that in my life all this time and you've overlooked that before he says well i'm not now and we go, oh, 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 but God, look, oh, I gave this up. And the Lord, I turned around and did this. And I did this, and I did this, and I did this. And he goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We did all that. He said, but we need, we need to work on this. And we go, oh, no, no, no. That's pride. Who am I to tell God what he can do and he cannot do? Let us not be filled with pride, but let us humbly walk before God. The scripture says, He has showed the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. And one of them is simply and to walk humbly with your God. If we're going to walk with God, we can't be filled with pride. How many of you love hanging out with people who just brag on themselves all the time? Oh, I'm telling you what I did. Oh, I did this and I did this. And, oh, they need me and oh, the world would fall apart without me. We're running for the hills. You're not going to sit in the presence of God full of pride. Can you, you know why most people won't get on the floor? Because on the floor, you'll come face to face with God. And when you come face to face with God, you'll be like Isaiah, who cries out and says, Woe is me. I am a sinful man with sinful lips, sinful heart, living among sinful people. I'm a dead man. Humble ourselves that our prayers would be effective and powerful. I'm looking for people who they get so close with Jesus. So hungry for his presence. You know, we go, oh, so late. I haven't prayed today. Rearrange that schedule. Put time with the Lord first. By you moving it to the end of the day, the last thing, you know what you're saying is that God doesn't, he, He's not priority. That's pride. That you can get through a whole day without God. That's pride. I want you, if you're able to right now, stand together and let us just take a moment and ask Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts is there an area that he's been trying to deal with us about deal with you about because God said if we will humble ourselves now that in due season in his time he will lift you up and, and I'm telling you the reason some of your prayers have not been answered is because of pride. 
And I'm telling you, I took two weeks before bringing this because had to have a come to Jesus meeting right here in my heart. Come on now. Let's be honest. Heavenly Father, we stand before you today in open book. There's nothing that can be hid from your view. You see everything. The prophet declared, I see the Lord. Father, I declare, we are seen by the Lord. Every avenue, every part, every thought, every attitude, every, every part of us, God, seen by you. Holy Spirit, you're the great teacher. Well, I just pray simply that you would continually remind each and every one of us who profess to know Christ, to know Him, that God, that on a daily basis we would ask you to examine our hearts. Did we let anything slip in today that shouldn't have been there? Did we do anything that should not have been done that we need to make right? God, did we say anything that needs to be rectified and made right with the person we said it to. God, it's not a once a week thing. It's not a once a month thing or once a year thing. It's simply learning to humble ourselves before you. And God, I just simply pray that Holy Spirit, when you tap us on the shoulder and remind us about fasting, God, I pray that it becomes a a constant discipline, a, a, a deliberate discipline in our lives, whether it's just a meal a week or a day during the week or w once every other week or whatever it may be, Lord God, that, that during that time we would spend with you and we would ask you to examine our hearts. We can even be working and fasting and saying, God, search my heart. I know many times that, that I've been doing things. I've been driving. I've been going places. I've had things on my mind. And then suddenly you bring to mind something that transpired where I transgressed and sinned before you. Help us to understand we can walk humbly with you, O oh God. To walk humbly with you. And then we can know that our prayers are effective. Powerful prayers will be released. Powerful prayers unleashed upon the darkness of this earth for the glory of Jesus name Amen 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 If you need prayer for anything why don't you come and let some of us pray for you otherwise 
God bless you. Please come Wednesday night. Be part of our Wednesday service. Be here next Sunday. Bring somebody with you. I just encourage you in Jesus' name. Yeah.